Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. The debt relief legislation that President Biden just signed takes as much as $20,000 off of student loans for those who qualify. It's a major relief for many Native students who already have a harder time affording college than most of their peers. We'll take a look at the pressure that student loans place on college affordability and explore some of the other options Native students have to keep debt at a minimum. That's all coming up after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A bill to create a system to notify the public when an indigenous person goes missing was approved Tuesday by California state lawmakers. The feather alert bill was introduced by Native American Assembly member James Ramos. The bill is intended to help get the word out as fast as possible when an individual is missing or endangered. Creating an alert system was a recommendation from tribal leaders. The bill creates the Endangered Missing Advisory, or EMA, when a Native American is at risk. Currently, law enforcement agencies use the EMA system to investigate when a child or at-risk person goes missing. The system asks for immediate information from the public to help in a swift recovery. Here's Ramos talking about the bill this summer at the state capitol in Sacramento. The rates of murdered and missing people in Native American communities is a shameful It's a shameful state and national tragedy that does not receive the scrutiny and attention it deserves. We are excited about this alert system, but even more excited about the growing momentum, the momentum to tackle this issue, not only from Indian country, but also by non-Native people like our collaborators here with us today, the California Highway Patrol and other law enforcement agencies, as well as the state legislature. California has the greatest population of Native Americans in the nation, and Ramos says the state also has the highest rates of reported cases of missing and murdered indigenous people pointing to a number of studies. The bill to create the alert system is expected to head to the governor's desk this week. Navajo Nation officials recently held a public forum to address the continued impacts of radiation exposure on tribal lands in the southwest. As Arizona Public Radio's Ryan Heinches reports, Congress recently extended a federal compensation program for people known as downwinders. Members of New Mexico's congressional delegation updated attendees on the status of the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act, or RECA. President Joe Biden signed a two-year extension of the law this summer, just before it was set to expire. Officials say it'll allow more time for lawmakers to craft a long-term version of the law designed to last until 2040. Tribal officials want the updated program to cover more diseases and a broader array of workers and residents, along with raising the amount of compensation. At the forum, leaders also heard from tribal members who described the harmful impacts of radiation exposure on themselves, their families, and their communities. For more than three decades, RECA has awarded one-time payments to people who lived downwind of the Nevada test site or worked in the uranium industry from 1942 to 1971. Tribal leaders and others say the legacy of uranium mining on tribal lands has been devastating as many downwinders have developed cancers and other debilitating health problems. The U.S. government 
government conducted nearly 200 atmospheric nuclear weapons tests between the end of World War II and the early 1960s. Tens of thousands of workers, including many tribal members, mined and processed uranium for the program and were unknowingly exposed to large amounts of radiation. For National Native News, I'm Ryan Heinches in Flagstaff, Arizona. The Institute of American Indian Arts is hosting a celebration of New Mexico's indigenous comedians on September 16th in Santa Fe. It's being held as the Cloudtop Comedy Festival takes place during the week. Cloudtop is a nonprofit promoting world-class and up-and-coming comics. It provides professional support, workshops, networking, and the annual festival. Four indigenous comedians will be taking part in the event. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, working to ensure tribal colleges and universities are included in our higher education system. Information on 37 tribal colleges and universities at AIHEC.org. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. The Student Debt Forgiveness Plan just signed by President Biden offers $10,000 for borrowers earning less than $125,000 a year. Pell Grant recipients are eligible for as much as $20,000 in student loan forgiveness. The plan is intended to relieve the financial pressure from the soaring costs of higher education. Forbes reports that the cost of college has increased nearly 170% over the past two decades, and most education experts predict those costs will continue to climb. The forgiveness plan is not without its critics. Some college graduates who paid off their loans complain of not having any similar government relief. Some economists warn the government intervention might worsen inflation for everyone. Today on our show, we'll hear how the plan affects Native students. And of course, we want to hear from you too. Do you have any student loan debt? Or were you able to pay off your student loans? Please share your thoughts on student loan forgiveness at 1-800-996-2848. You can also post on our Facebook page and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is 180099-NATIVE. Quick note of disclosure, both organizations on our show today, College Horizons and AHEC, are underwriters for Native America Calling's parent company, Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation. Our first guest is speaking with us from Bernalillo, New Mexico. Carmen Lopez is the Executive Director of College Horizons and Graduate Horizons. She's Navajo. Carmen, it's great to have you back on the show. Hi, great to be with you all. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And student loan forgiveness, it's a really hot topic right now. So how will the new plan impact Native students? Well, I, you know, it's going to have a tremendous impact for uh, those students that do have a federal loan, uh, and that we're Pell eligible. So, uh, you know, we welcome this um, uh, announcement and it's gonna bring some relief 
but we know it's just the beginning and also that we have to get to those structural issues that we can talk about uh, more in depth. But, you know, for Native students, I'm going to just give a couple of facts because uh, I think that this lays the groundwork for who it impacts. What we know is that the average household income for Native um, American families is about 40000 um, and this is this is some important work that came from Dr. Amanda Tachitney, Jameson Lopez, Chris Nelson in their research on student debt. And they found that 50% of those um, students that complete, Native students that complete the FAFSA have a zero expected family contribution. That means they're going to be the highest need students. And then um, Native Americans are the second highest ethnic group behind African Americans to take out student loans. So 76% of students are native students are taking out loan with an average debt of 26,000. Um, so so this this is that that 26,000 the number that they're coming up with 10,000 or up to 20,000 for Pell students could really help uh, those native students. Um, and if I could add just a couple more facts uh, for us to think about in this conversation is that you know 70% of uh, Indigenous students in college are women. So there's going to be, we need to kind of bring in gender um, and equity into this conversation. And then what we know is 60% of um, Native families are single parent homes. Um, these are single mothers who are the primary financial provider. So if we think about the gender disparity, especially for Native women, what we have is that uh, Native women being the primary financial provider for the family, they have children, they're attending college, they're having to take out loans, and then to top it off, when they graduate from college, uh, Native women were earning 60 cents to the dollar to non-Hispanic white men. So when we talk about the power of that degree afterwards, there's still this income disparity. Um, that, that we need to think about with all of this. And that's why the debt relief is going to help because of that inequity in the pay gap. Carmen, you stress that uh, many of these students uh, are, are women, many are returning students that, that have families that they're supporting. 76% of Native students uh, have student loans. And I think that's really, really important to stress because um, obviously, with even tribal scholarships and other Native-specific forms of financial aid, there is still a huge unmet need for Native students who are forced to take out these student loans. That's right. And, you know, when we talk, uh, when we get into discussion on the uh, structural changes and the additional work that needs to happen after, you know, we get some student debt relief right now, but, but what we have to get into talking about more, and this is the work of College Horizons on the front end, working with students in high school and families, is understanding that financial fit. So we talk to our students about academic fit, regional fit, cultural fit, uh, including, you know, what kind of Native support systems do they need around them and does that college provide that? But we, we spend a lot of time on financial aid in our program. Um, in fact, we require the parents of our program to uh, submit their taxes because part of accessing that federal aid begins with the FAFSA, but before we can get to FAFSA completion, we have to make sure that our taxes are up to date. But in this discussion of helping parents to prepare for and plan for college 
and the cost of it, we, we, we talk a lot about financial fit and we actually run calculations using net price calculators, calculators and uh, college board um, and big futures um, um, expected family contribution calculator. These are all resources on our website and online because we need to have that consumer approach to is this investment and is this uh, attending these types of colleges um, affordable for my family. Um, some of the biggest other, uh, one other stat that I'll, I'll throw out there that's really critical is, is that since the Great Recession of 2008, states have not returned to funding K-12 and higher ed at that pre-recession or, of course, now pre-pandemic levels. So the budgets have been cut on state institutions, especially for our, our land-grant institutions, and that's an impact to Indigenous students based upon treaties. Um, there's just not enough aid at state institutions to fully package those students with the highest need, and they end up being gapped, quote, quote unquote, gapped in their funding. Um, and, and that's where they're going to turn to the only resource is going to be loans, paying by credit card, which we never want students or parents to do right, that, um, right. or, or taking out personal or commercial loans. So it's, it's that we've got to get back to fully funding the needs of students, not just merit-based, but need-based aid at the state level, at the federal level. So, Carmen, I just did some quick math here, and um, you stressed that uh, an average of $26,000 in student loan debt for Native students, and uh, because so many of our, our Native households are, are going to fall into that lower-income bracket, Many of these of these students will be eligible for up to twenty thousand dollars because of of being Pell Grant eligible. So, somebody with potentially twenty six thousand dollars, if they qualify for that full twenty thousand, that's going to pretty much wipe everything out, with the exception of of six thousand dollars. Wow, um, I mean that's that's a huge huge financial benefit for them coming out of college. It is, and you know, I think what what a lot of the research behind getting getting to this point on this proposal, you know, we're really talking about 20 and 30 year olds, those students that were in college right around the time of the Great Recession in 2008. But you know, another another statistics that just kind of floors us of of the students um, that uh, have taken out loan that are eligible. 16% of borrows um, are in default. A third of them are senior citizens. So this could have a significant impact to grandparents of ours that may, may be still carrying their own student loans on top of supporting mm -hmm. family and grandchildren too. So they're carrying it all the, for decades if these folks yeah. are grandparents. and they, Yeah. Yeah, it's just staggering. So, um, now I, I, you know, I, I do want to say though, I, I, there has been a lot of criticism of this loan forgiveness bill, and especially from people who, who paid off their loans as agreed in full earlier, who won't benefit from this forgiveness. Is there a fairness issue here? Well, I'm, I'm going to be biased. I paid back thirty thousand in undergraduate and graduate loans. Um, my, it took me 20 years, and I took a picture. I was holding my one-year-old daughter, and I was making my final payment <laughs> for my student loan, and it was a celebratory day, and I did it 
um, I paid off my student loans, and I am in full support of this uh, loan forgiveness program. Um, because what, what we have to get, get, especially when we're talking about indigenous students, um, and again, treaty rights, and uh, that the government has obligations to fully fund native students based upon uh, these treaty rights. We can, you know, have good discussion and arguments about that, but there's deeper issues under racial um, and, and economic justice, uh, financial aid justice that's associated with this. Um, so for me, um, there's a lot of debt that has been paid in other ways by uh, tribal nations, by students, by women as caretakers. And uh, so I think we're owed the support um, and especially for the future generations. What's really important though, when we get to this is that, you know, the future, this is not guaranteed. This is a one-time event. We don't know in the future in terms of a debt relief plan if it will ever come back again. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to then focus on, again, what are the, the realities um, in the future? And that's where we're at College Horizons, a big proponent of uh, doubling the Pell Grant and getting it back to its purchasing power. And if we double Pell in the future, um, then that would cover 50% of the cost of attendance at four-year universities. So this is welcome relief for, for current um, you know, students with debt, but it doesn't impact like this class that has just enrolled um, in the fall of 2022. And the future- Carmen, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to take a break, but I'll let you finish when we come back. Voting rights advocates in Alaska say the state refuses to make simple corrections that could increase representation among Alaska Native voters. And the Mississippi Supreme Court upheld a state law explicitly designed to limit non-white voters. We'll get a rundown of evolving voting rights threats on the next Native America Calling. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Strongheart's Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling 1-844-7-NATIVE or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by Strongheart's Native Helpline. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about the student loan forgiveness plan, and we want to hear from you. Do you have tons of student loan debt? Do you think you'll be able to pay it off? Do you think it's fair that many folks who took out student loans and paid them off won't benefit from this new forgiveness plan? Join our conversation, 1-800-996-2848. It's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We're speaking with Carmen Lopez from College Horizons and Graduate Horizons. And Carmen, before the break, I want to just uh, congratulate you because you had mentioned that you had paid off $30,000 of your own student loan debt. And I was going through my records before the show. <laughs> I got a folder and I took out about $7,000 in student loan debt as an undergrad and paid it off as well. So um, congratulations to you and everybody else that paid off their student loans. And you gave a, a really good overview of the financial challenges that are impacting Native students and, and how this plan will benefit them. 
And and I also want to ask you, though, what is being done uh, to address this underlying issue with student loan debt? And that's the soaring cost of a college degree. What do you folks do there at your organization to advocate for just lower tuition costs for these Native students that are, that are really struggling to keep up financially? You know, the founding of College Horizons by, by Dr. Whitney Laughlin um, uh, really addressed this. You know, this is, you know, now going to be more than 25 years ago. But in her work working with Indigenous students in New Mexico, she, she was saying, we've got bright, talented, motivated uh, Native students that want to go to a four-year degree program. But financial aid and financing that is, is the issue. And so she started to reach out to colleges and said, um, we have amazing potential candidates to your institution. Um, if you wanna you know, meet with them, then I need to know that you're going to meet their full demonstrated need. Now, um, so, and, and that's turned into for College Horizon is that we partner with over you know, 75 different colleges and universities, mostly private institutions, uh, we do have some state institutions as well, but what it is is that we need that commitment from colleges to package the students as best as possible. Um, we no longer have the full requirement, but about 95% of the colleges that come to College Horizons can meet that full need. So we want to bring uh, the, the awareness to students and families, these colleges who can meet that need. Now, these are the, the, the private institutions with huge endowments. And this is always going to become that issue with many state-serving institutions that can't tap into the same type of funding sources. And this is where state legislature, state policy, federal policy, and especially federal policy to, to tribal nations and land-grant institutions is critical. And including, I'm sure Carrie will talk about tribal colleges and universities and the chronic underfunding of K-12 and higher ed um, for the past you know, 30, 40 years. So that's where we get into that institutional side of coming back to treaties, why we need to bring it back up to say, this was guaranteed, you know, a hundred years ago at the founding of um, the United States. Let's get back to this agreement. On top of it, okay. today many. I'm sorry, Carmen, but I mean, again, college tuition has just increased so dramatically over the last few generations. I mean, you go back uh, since 1980, the cost to attend a four-year public and nonprofit college has soared ninefold, ninefold. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I understand, yeah, certainly these, many of these schools have an obligation to provide for these Native students, but the underlying root is it's just really, really expensive to go to college, whoever's paying that bill. And um, what's being done to address that? Because as, as that continues to soar, these costs continue to climb, you know, this, like you mentioned, this is a one-time thing. What happens in 10 years when we're in the same boat and we still, we have more students that are, are, are heavily in debt? And they're overburdened. What are we going to do then if we don't address this underlying cost of a college education? You know, it's it's going to be one of the things on the Biden-Harris debt relief plan um, is that institutional accountability. That's the fourth tenet of that project is to, uh, and it's I think still in its developmental stage because there's already other data out there. But what they're what they're going to produce is an annual list of programs with the highest debt level, highest debt level, so that 
from a consumer kind of position, families and students can say, okay, what is the average amount of debt from an institution and what's the average um, uh, income when I graduate? So it's, it's to give families and students more information on the front end so that they can make more informed choices. But on the college side, which I really can't speak to, to what the, all of the colleges are doing uh, in terms of those increased costs in terms of buildings and facilities and dorms, or if it's the, the, the cost of um, um, faculty and research development. And then there are some colleges that really are investing in what was called in the last 10 years kind of boutique college amenities where you have mm-hmm. fancy gyms in the dorms. Right, right. We, we see all food. of that. And... So, yeah, and that's catering to people that want to pay for that type of college experience. So I'm sure, you know, this is what we got to put to our, our presidents of colleges and universities on, on what is extraneous and then what is, um, what is necessary to run an important nonprofit institution. We certainly do, yeah, because I, right now you have a lot of taxpayers that are feeling that, that they're the ones that are ultimately paying for the, all those amenities that you mentioned. But let's now speak with a student who um, is actually um, in this situation right now. We have Kirsten Sosi. She's a first-year graduate student at the University of Arizona. She's speaking with us from Tucson, and she's Navajo. Kirsten, hello. Hey, how are you? I'm doing really well, Kirsten. I want to thank you again for joining us on short notice, but it's so important to have a student's perspective on our show today. And um, you're carrying student loan debt yourself. Can I ask how much? I have about 30000 from my undergraduate. $30,000 from your undergraduate degree. And how are you managing with, with all that debt? How have you been holding up, especially during the pandemic? Well, um, it's, definitely been difficult um i've been since i graduated i graduated in 2016 so from 2016 till actually today i've been working in title one schools and under um when you work for title one schools for 10 years and if you've made loan payments for those 10 years you could potentially get your loans forgiven um, unfortunately, I did not meet the 10 years right now because I decided to pursue my graduate degree. Um, but it's definitely been, it's been challenging trying to, you know, pay my bills, pay my student loan, and then also just managing a living situation, making sure I have money saved somewhere for me in case of an emergency. Um, I have to say it's definitely been challenging just after graduation working professionally, and then now I'm coming back into the institution as a student um, and then occurring that debt even more. Now, were you able to take advantage of uh, the student loan payment, um, the forbearance that came out back in March when the pandemic first started? Have you been able to um, not make, take a, take a release from those payments, arrest from them during yeah, that time? I, definitely. I definitely took that opportunity um, and I believe under this loan forgiveness program that it still counts as payment toward your um, loan forgiveness while you're doing your um, while you're working in Title One schools. Okay, so you haven't have you had any student loan payments then since the pandemic started back in 2020? Have you made any? Uh, 
Not that I can remember. <laughs> okay. So you're sitting on 30,000 and, um, and I'm not sure what your situation is regarding uh, Pell Grant eligibility, but are, are you hopeful that you're going to see a good portion of that $30,000 forgiven here in the next short while? Yeah, I, I'm really hopeful. I'm trying to stay positive and trying to be mindful that even if it isn't the full 20000 any you know, every little penny counts. It will count towards that. Um, and just some information is that I am one in five. I'm the fourth one in my family to have gone to college. And while I was going into college and when I was applying, I had two other siblings still in college. So when we were filling out FAFSA and when we, I was Pell Grant eligible. However, when you look at the amount that I got, I was severely underawarded just because they said that my family could contribute more than what was expected. But when you're in a situation where you have older siblings in the house also going to college, they're not taking that into consideration. They're taking into consideration the amount that your parents are making at that moment. Um, with, you know, regardless if you do have two siblings while in school with you. Um, and so it was really hard to manage that, even just being Pell Grant eligible, even relying on tribal scholarships, even relying on any grants you got from your institution. It was so difficult to stay funded and making sure that you had a living. Um, you know, it got to the point where, yes, I did have to take out student loans. Yes, I did have to work almost full time as an undergraduate, and that weighed on me heavily, and it definitely impacted my own grades and how you know man I manage my time as as a student. Well, Kirsten, I've I've heard stories like your, yours before, where where a family or a student such as yourself uh, gets denied uh, a certain amount of, of financial aid, and yet the numbers don't really work. Out. They they work according to the financial aid people, but they don't work on your end, your family's need. So I want to congratulate you very much on, on earning that undergrad degree. And of course, now you're in grad school and, and much success to you going forward. And I also want to ask you, Kirsten, because many people will say that, that college students need to be more mindful of the earning potential in their chosen careers and not to borrow more than they can realistically pay off. And ultimately what that does is it translates to criticisms of humanities and liberal arts degrees. And I, I'm interested in hearing your take on that. Do you think everyone should ditch social sciences and education degree, like like what you're pursuing and, and trade that all for STEM degrees? <laughs> it's an interesting question. Um, uh, you know, as an undergraduate, I pursued an undergraduate degree in public administration and public policy. Um, and I was made fun of. My siblings, my oldest sister, she pursued a liberal arts degree as well. Um, and then my brother, is an architect. So I don't, I think he's considered STEM or even liberal arts, but it, you know, throughout that journey, it, it really was hard being labeled liberal arts or social sciences because there's that stigma that you're just kind of going to go back into academia or you're going to be working this like nine to five desk job and it's not going to pay well. Um, and at that time, when I was an undergraduate, you're 19, 20, 21, making these adult decisions about what is it that you truly want to do with your life? What is it that you want to do and what kind of how meaningful your work is going to be? Um, even though I pursued a degree in public policy, I found that my passion and my, you know, my compassion for students 
lies deeply within our children and how successful they are. So in the work that I've been doing, I've been giving back to not even just my own community back home in Navajo Nation, but I'm giving back to the communities here in Tucson. How is it that I can use my knowledge, my experience into shaping and making sure students don't go through the same path that I went through? And, you know, that's a message I've shared with students throughout the last six years is that, you know, your parents are here to make sure that you have everything that you need that they didn't have. And so now it's my turn to say, I'm making sure that you don't go through what I went through in hopes that you will do better and you will be successful. However, you define the success, um, you know, and I think what really makes me feel that way is, again, being successful, feeling happy with what I do, making sure that I, I'm enjoying the work that I've done over the last couple of years. So that's really what um, kind of drives me. And the work I do. Kirsten, it's, it's really inspiring listening to you and knowing that you've been able to, to pursue your dream, your academic dream. And, but I'm curious, other students, classmates, have you, have you talked to them? Do, or have any of them had to change their college majors or job paths simply because they need to pay off loans? Um, well, I, I'd say that once you graduate, you kind of realize that maybe your degree at that moment as an undergraduate isn't what you want to pursue. And I've met many people throughout my time that have had that change of heart and have had that change of experience and finding out that, you know, this is definitely not what I want to do. Um, when I first started at the university, I thought I was going to be a doctor, like you said, you know, I, that's what I thought what it meant to give back. It was so stigmatized that we had to become these professionals and these esteemed colleagues and working in hospitals and law firms. And that's, that's what it really meant to give back. But as an undergraduate, I've been fortunate enough to have mentors throughout that time period that have shaped and be able to share with me that, you know, giving back doesn't have to look like that. You can give back in different ways. And through that, um, I definitely have to give kudos to the Native Floor Mentoring Program at the university they've definitely have shaped and have helped a lot of students from what I've seen. And a lot of my classmates in the class that we were in have definitely pursued different degrees afterwards. After they um, graduated, they had gone on to graduate school and pursued something completely different from what they had majored in when we were undergraduates, or they have gone on to work in different um, fields because of what Native Star had helped them shape and help them understand that giving back is something that doesn't have to look one way, can also look a different way. That's really important, the flexibility of giving back and what that really means. And, and I really do appreciate your perspectives. You add so much value to our conversation today, Kirsten. And have you had a chance to speak with your student loan servicers regarding um, the forgiveness? Or do you know what the next steps are for you to, to apply for that? Um, at this point, I haven't had a chance to. I've just been in this transition. Oh, I apologize. I'm out of school right now. <laughs> hey, no worries. Duty beckons. Duty um, beckons. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've just been in the process of transitioning from working my nine to five to being a full-time student. So I really haven't had a chance to talk to them about what that process is going to look like, especially for me. Um, I've 
seen some communication from my student loan provider about what it's going to possibly look like, but you do have to reach out and find out more about your specific um, situation. Well, Kirsten, once again, much success on your educational journey as you continue there as a graduate student at University of Arizona, U of A, down in Tucson. Folks, if you want to get in on this discussion, it's a good one. 1-800-996-2848. That is the number to call. We're talking about the new Student Loan Forgiveness Plan just signed into law last week. President Biden signing off on that. Up to $20,000 in student loan forgiveness for folks that are eligible. It could be a real game changer for many, many Native American students. So again, give us a call. 1-800-996-2848. Are you carrying some student loan debt? We want to hear about it. We won't get too personal either. Just want to hear what your struggles are and what you're excited about about this new student loan forgiveness plan. So we'll be right back. Stay with us. Support by Indigenous Pact, a healthcare consulting company working to create health equity in Indian country. Indigenous Pact offers solutions to fit the needs of your tribe. Their team, experts in healthcare strategy, policy, and innovation, provides a one of a kind plan to solve the issues specific to your community. Indigenous Pact works to create three primary outcomes healing spaces, healthy citizens, and sustainable economies. More information at indigenouspact.com. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about student loans and higher education for Native students. Give us a call. Get in on this conversation. 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. And let's go to the phones now. Lynette is listening on KNBA in Anchorage, Alaska. Hello, Lynette. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. And I like the topic today. I'm glad that the President Biden is is uh, fulfilling one of his campaign promises. And um, my granddaughter, she um, went to school, to college, my first granddaughter. And she uh, first wanted to be a school teacher, but then she decided to change into environmental studies because her friends in Colorado there they that were going to school with her told her she could make a lot of money doing that. But she wasn't able to finish. Um, the pandemic set in, and she was uh, with her boyfriend, and they needed somebody to work, so she actually got two jobs. And she was very, very uh, busy, and so she kind of laid her education to the side. He was also going to school. And that school in Colorado in Durango was very wonderful, very, very wonderful. I went and visited twice. Uh, They have a Native American and Alaska Native and Hawaiian uh, um, support system there. I think it's called Fort Lewis, but I'm not quite sure. It's in Durango. Fort Lewis. Anyhow, yep, that's right. Um, and uh, and uh, I very much support this uh, this you know student forgiveness loan. Also, my mother had went back to school years ago. Um, uh, I would say about 20 years ago. Graduated with a with a, a B something. I don't even know. BS? No? BA? 
degree. <laughs> and a BA probably. And yeah. uh yes, in uh in social work. And she went to the university here in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm very proud of her, Harriet. And she's now 88. She's been trying to pay back her student loan. Um, she had uh, helped a lot of different people in in Alaska. And I know that that student loan forgiveness would really help her. Um, I went to school at the university for a, a brief period of time. I'm a cab driver here in Anchorage, Alaska for 40 years. And when I went back to school, my problem was I couldn't get through the pre-algebra. That was the class that I just could not complete and mm-hmm. finish. Uh, I guess I'm pretty dumb. Anyway, um, but... So no, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> Lynette, I'm sorry. I'm well, going to have to anyhow. interject here. Don't don't say that. I mean, you know, no. I mean, math courses or whatever, you know, people just... Some people excel at certain subjects, and some people um, are challenged by different subjects differently. And um, it's really inspiring, and especially hearing about your mother in her 80s, 88 years old. And, and yeah, hopefully this student loan debt relief will be a huge, huge benefit to her and other members of your family that are carrying those student loans. And I, I want to thank you again for calling in. Really appreciate it. But we do have to get back into our, into our conversation. We've got one more guest on the show, and I, I want to introduce her right now, Carrie Billy is the CEO of the American Indian Higher Education Consortium. She is Navajo. Carrie, welcome back to Native America Calling. Yate, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yate to you as well, Carrie. And um, please tell us more. What's been AHEC's response to the loan forgiveness program? Well, I think just um, as the caller just said that um, this is an example um, uh, an example that's going to benefit American Indians, Alaska Natives, and other um, citizens in really transformative ways. It's a promise that President Biden made to provide targeted student debt relief to working and middle-class families, and that's what it does. So not all tribal colleges participate in the federal student loan program. In fact, very few do. Only three participate in the loan program, so people don't think it'll have a big Im- impact on on our institutions, and tribal colleges don't participate because their focus really is on keeping costs as low as possible so students can graduate debt-free. But that's not always possible, especially if you're pursuing a four-year degree, and more tribal colleges are um, adding four-year degrees, 14, I mean, 19 now have four-year degree programs. So, um, and also a lot of students transfer into tribal colleges who are bringing student loan debt with them. So. Um, so it does impact students, uh, Native students, whether you're at a tribal college or a mainstream institution. And I just want to say for the, the tribal colleges that have student loan prog- programs or did participate in them, as I mentioned, it, it, it really could be transformative for our students because, as Carmen mentioned, most Native students are also receive Pell grants or participate in the Pell program. And if you participated in Pell, any time during the time that you took out student loans, $20,000 is forgiven. And so, for example, at United Tribes Technical College in Bismarck, the average balance of student loan debt is $9,991. So mm. that's, that means just going, you know, with the first $10,000, 
almost all of our their student debt is forgiven. Even if you are actually in default now, it's still you can still go through the process and get it forgiven. At Salish Kootenai College, the average debt after graduation ranges between twenty ten thousand and twenty thousand. The vast majority of those students are Pell recipients, so their student debt will be wiped out. And about a, and I think people forget about this: the faculty, uh, tribal colleges, teachers, um, also apply. So Salish Kootenai College thinks that about a quarter. One fourth of their faculty will also apply and be eligible. And the same thing at Fond du Lac Tribal and Community College, the average debt over three years is $19,000. If those students received Pell Grants, completely forgiven. So, you know, and that's money, as um, Sandra Boham at Salish Kootenai College says, that students are able, or former students are able to use to build the future that they envisioned when they enrolled in college. That money is available for a house or for, you know, for their family, not paying back a loan. So really transformative. I want to also add, right, and another aspect is that this loan forgiveness is is going to be tax-free as well. Because ordinarily, if you have credit card debt that's forgiven or an auto loan that's forgiven or something like that, you still have to pay tax on it. It's still reported as income. This will not be, which is an additional benefit. Yeah, yeah. And there's another aspect um, that people, I think, haven't focused on about this plan, and that is, you know, um, meeting that whole obligation of debt-free, targeted debt relief for working in middle-class families. That when you're talking about the loan forgiveness, that's people who've already completed their college education or stopped out or whatever. They're uh, former borrowers. But for current and future borrowers, so for students now, um, there are changes to the um, public service loan forgiveness program, um, cutting that, eliminating uh, the 20-year requirement, changing it to 10 years, so you only have to repay for 10 years. But really important, it also caps uh, the the income reimbursement, so it's the income-driven plans. It caps, simplifies it and caps them at 5% of an undergraduate's, um, their discretionary income upon graduation. That means for most students, their loan repayments will be cut in half. Monthly payments will be cut in half. And if they're making payments, um, the federal government will pay the monthly interest payments. So, you know, your your loans are going to be loan repayments cut in half. You don't have to pay interest, so your balances aren't growing, and it's ten years if you're doing um, public service that your loans are eliminated. So that's again in- transformative. Mm-hmm. And Carrie, you mentioned that uh, it's been lowered. the The payment is now five uh, percent of discretionary income, and before it was ten percent. Right? That's where that half where you cut it in half. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's really um, a huge impact because for uh, many students, especially Native students, the student loan is one of their biggest monthly bills that they have to pay. Mm-hmm. And, Carrie, you touched on that that there's only a handful of the tribal colleges, less than a handful, really, that participate in the federal student loan program. And it's because the cost of tribal colleges are, are so affordable and folks like you work really hard to keep it that way. So what is the trend going forward? Are, are Native students going to be able to continue to benefit from these lower tuition costs at the tribal colleges? 
Well, hopefully. I mean, right now, um, because of the COVID relief funding and and other funding that tribal colleges have, um, you know, you were talking earlier about the cost of tuition going up. Uh, tribal colleges, it's actually gone down between five and $600 on average per year in the past um, year and a half. So the average tuition uh, at a tribal college is $3,065 a year. That's amazing for a four-year degree. It's, it's absolutely incredible. So tribal colleges are working really hard to keep that low. And I think as Carmen mentioned earlier, one of the keys is uh, doubling Pell. That's one of our most important, one of the issues that we're um, really focused on in addition to this loan forgiveness and the simplification of the public service loan program, doubling Pell. Uh, right now, even though the, the tuition is low at tribal colleges, it also costs because you know you have to have living expenses and um, dorm fees, cafeteria, or you know just eating, feeding your families, taking care of them. So the average cost is much higher. And I think the average Pell grants a little under $7,000 now. If that were doubled, that would meet practically 100% of the cost of attending a tribal college. Here, our caller mentioned Fort Lewis, and I'm glad she did because that's one of the, the universities that does offer free tuition for Native students. And what do you think of some of those colleges that have these tuition waivers for Native students? Are, is, is that making a significant impact on, on Native students that want to seek higher education and more affordable higher education? Are we going to continue to see more colleges and universities offer those kinds of programs to Native students? I think so. I, I mean, even at tribal colleges, even though their tuition is so affordable, during COVID, a number of colleges offered either reduced cut tuition in half or, uh, or, or provided free no-cost tuition. And those colleges saw their enrollment increase. Some of them doubled in their enrollment. So there are a lot of students out there who want a higher education but can't but can't even afford it at this point or can't fill out the FAFSA or, you know, there's just these barriers for them to get into college. So making it as easy as possible with free tuition um, really opens the doors for thousands and thousands of American Indians and Alaska Natives. Carrie, another thing I want to mention here is student loans, they're not subject to the same underwriting standards as as a consumer loan. Um, they don't factor credit scores or debt-to-income ratios and those aren't an issue. However, do you recommend that a, a Native student that does need to apply for a student loan, that they need to pay attention to some of those underlying financials regardless? Oh, definitely. I think especially, you know, a lot of our, even our students at tribal colleges are, are first generation, the majority, about 51% um, of our students are first generation. And at some, at some colleges for American Indians and Alaska Natives, it's even higher than that. So these are students who are um, coming from families who've never had any experience with college and don't understand, or even loan programs, for example, and um, the credit economy. So they don't understand those things. So it is very, very important. Programs like Carmen's program, where they're working with students in high school and their families to get them to understand the actual cost and benefit, long-term benefit of going to college and, and incurring debt. Even incurring any debt is, you know, they're just so important. And that's 
like I said, one reason tribal colleges exist is to make college affordable, to allow students to go to school, place-based, culturally-based education, and graduate debt-free. There's um, just tremendous benefit in that, not only for the individual student, but for their family, their entire community, and their tribal nation. Mm -hmm. Now, another idea that's been posited here with this whole issue is, is having colleges take a small stake, maybe a 10 or 20% equity stake in their student loans. So they've got some skin in the game as opposed to putting it all on, on the taxpayers. What's your thought on, on that, Carrie? Does that make any sense? Oh, geez. I, <laughs> we were really into that issue a few years ago when that was discussed. Um, but I think for tribal colleges, which is the institutions that I'm focused on. I think I can understand, um, particularly when you're talking about private institutions, there is, a, a, that's gonna help. I mean, the idea behind that is that it will address the issue of controlling costs, those skyrocketing costs of tuition that you mentioned earlier. Um, so that's why there's this talk of having skin in the game because it will um, sort of encourage institutions to lower their tuition costs so the overall cost of attending college is lower, so students are taking out um, lower amounts of, of debt. But what I say to that is go to a tribal college, go to a community college, go to a public institution of higher education that is going to be affordable to you, particularly for an undergraduate degree. You know, really look at finances. Uh, most public institutions don't, that issue isn't as significant as skin in the game. Um, because these institutions, like tribal colleges, community colleges, are place-based institutions. Tribal colleges are invested in their community and and their tribal nation. So there are other reasons that they're just more foundational, significant reasons that they're investing in, you know, keeping costs low. Well, we are going to have to to wrap up this conversation, but before we do. Carrie, Carmen, and Kirsten, thank you all for joining us today. It's been a really informative conversation on student loan forgiveness and its impact on Native college students and graduates. Join us again on Native America Calling tomorrow as we talk about worries of Native voter disenfranchisement around the country. Until then, I'm Sean Spruce. Thank you for listening. My name is Asad. When I was 19, my mom was diagnosed with colorectal cancer because she smoked. My tip is find things to be thankful for. I'm thankful she quit smoking. I'm thankful for the nurses who taught me how to check her IV and to manage her medication. And I'm thankful for every day we have together because nothing is guaranteed, especially for us. The people you love are worth quitting for. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you or someone you know is feeling sad, hopeless, or experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, Call, text, or chat 988. 988 is a new three-digit dialing code for 24-7 emotional, mental, or substance misuse support. 988 connects you to free confidential support. You are not alone in a crisis. Just call, text, or chat 988. For more information, visit 988.nm.org. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanek Broadcast Corporation 
and native nonprofit media organizations. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.